Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, I walked the dog, gamed a little, played with a frog. What does your morning commute sound like? Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage McMuffin with egg and a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, please? Kids back up, went back home, and I went to... Here you go, Jim. Here's to making your morning routine a little better. Right now, mix and match two select breakfast sandwiches, like a bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles, a sausage McMuffin with egg, or a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit for just $4. Breakfast at McDonald's. Single item at regular price at participating McDonald's for a limited time. This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. All right, all right, all right, all right. Howdy, 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 and welcome to 101 with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole. We're coming to you live from Hollywood, California, Temple Base Studios. This is our new home now. This is our second show that we've done in the new uh, studios, and uh, we're excited to be back. I want to give a shout out to BS podcast network that's going to be our new home starting uh thursday april 5th is our first show we'll be on at 10 p.m and we're going to be on every other thursday at 10 p.m and of course we'll still be on itunes and blog talk and spricker and all those other uh places like that but anyway i don't want to waste any time because i'm beyond ecstatic to have one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. I have to full disclosure say that a lot of you may or may not know, in addition to be a crazy actor, I'm also a talent manager. And um, I have a wonderful client here today who's two-time Emmy nominee, recently, just recently nominated for her brilliant work on Anacostia, playing the role of Beverly Newman. And she's in town this week because she's been nominated for that work uh, as part of the Independent Series Awards, or ISA, which is tomorrow night. And I'm very privileged to be her guest, along with her fiancé, George, and a lot of the cast and uh, other members. So without further Further ado, please welcome diva licious Jennifer Bassey. Oh my God, what a wonderful introduction. Darling, I could have gone on <laughs> and on. But well, you know, I mean, I don't think they know that when I moved out here to California uh, and I met you through my son-in-law, who was uh, you were managing? He was Bill Bolander, my client. Yes, who was in what the big, the most famous movie? Oh, of all Shawshank time. Redemption. Yeah, he played the killer, and he yeah, was brilliant, 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 brilliant. He said, "I have a brilliant manager, and do you want to meet him?" And and I called you, thinking, "Well, I've got to go back to New York." And I called you, and you said. I did some research on you, and I would love to manage you. I said, well, I have nowhere to live. He said, well, we have a studio apartment in our compound, and I've got to tell you, uh, he and his husband— Husband, at that time, partner. Partner, uh, owned five different 
you know, a house and then a studio and then two apartments and another apartment. We basically rented a closet if we had to, right? <laughs> and so I moved in, and I'm telling you, it was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. It was kind of like Tales from the City, you know, the Amistad Maupin yep. that was set in San Francisco. Yep. We create our own little our uh, own magical thing there. And all their animals moved in with me, and they thought I was stealing their animals. Well, the, the cats The cats did, not the dogs. The pussies. Yeah, yeah. The, all the pussies all moved the in. All the pussies. <laughs> but it's interesting, because I um, had not met Jennifer, but we conversed on the phone for a couple of months. So she basically moved into our place sight unseen, other than photos. And uh, I felt like I'd known you forever. It's only been going on 10 years. Well, you know, when you meet, like, uh, George, my late husband, you, there's certain people, uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, reincarnation is BS, you know. But I've got to say, and you and I pick up, like, we don't even say hello on the phone. I mean, you know, we just, you know, it's like, it's a connection, and you know that you feel you've known them before. Yeah. And I feel that I, my relationship with my fiancé today is he was married for 50 years and I was married for 30 years. And we met and and uh, it's my, tr- I was taken care of brilliantly by my second late husband. Isn't it horrible? I have two late husbands. Darling, three was the charm. Darling. They were all the charm. But but I feel that we met, you know, it, it's my turn. I love him and, and, and uh, you know, it's been a... A rough time because I think relationships, especially when you get older and all your negatives are still there, and you can fight like, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm not a good fighter. I mean, I never physically do anything, but I can verbally go, oh really, and oh, shred yeah. you to death, you know. So I just have to like be- Mary and Colby on All My Children. Oh yes, she so, was she was a she nymphomaniac was alcoholic, but yeah. she was mean too. Yeah, she was. Very well, we're gonna <laughs> first of all, if you're ADD and you're listening, go ahead and take some Adderall because, yes, because- <laughs> Jennifer and I are gonna. Jump and we don't even care, so just know ahead of time there will be no segues and we will probably jump all over. Uh, so. Because I'm ADD without meds, so and that's it. I'm ADD on meds, so, so that's it. Lex, Lexapro, <laughs> I need to get an endorsement deal for Lexapro, by the way. But anyway, so I want to start off talking about your most recent brilliant work as Beverly Thank Newman you, on Anacostia. Yep. Anacostia is a really uh, highly acclaimed digital web, I don't like the word war, digital soap um, that has been nominated and won awards in the past. But tell everyone how this role came to you and and how Beverly was presented to you and by the wonderful Robin Strasser. Well, uh, I have a friend that I hired to do my website, and she did a new website for me. And she said, if you get any messages on your website, uh, they'll come directly to me and blah, blah. I said, okay. So she called and she said, a producer from Washington, D.C. would like to talk to you on the phone. And I said, oh, okay, well, what about? And they said, well, they do a soap there called Anacostia. So uh, uh, we call. I call. I said, sure, give me his number. And I called him, Ben Bryant. Who's an angel. He's wonderful. And Ben um, said, Robin Strasser recommended you. I said, oh, my God, Robin, I haven't seen her in ages. Why didn't she want to play the part? He said, she feels that you would be better in the part. So we'd like to know if you're interested. And he said, we film in Washington, D.C., or we film in Connecticut. We have a place in Connecticut. And I said, uh, well, sure. 
Yeah, because I have Alicia Minshew, who was mm-hmm. on All My Children with me. She's on a, a digital soap. Right. Tainted Dreams. And, you know, so, so I know and a lot of people who so are on many people. digital soaps. Yeah. And actually, I was interviewed recently, and, and someone said, well, what do you think? Do you think soaps are dying? I said, no. I think the genre is shifting to the Internet. Mm-hmm. I think there are going to be more soaps very soon on the internet than there are on network. Now they're even. They're four and four at the moment that are recognized. Well, interesting enough, remember all my children, when they went off the air, they tried the internet. That's right. But that was for, that didn't last for other reasons, had nothing to do with the internet. It was, but it, but even yeah. they knew at the time that that's the that way that's to That's the wave of the future. Yeah. I really believe that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I said yes. And, and, uh, so they said, we're going to write you a script, and Anthony won't mind. Anthony Anderson, Anderson wrote, he writes, he stars, he um, does uh, it all. produces, Caters. he's involved in the editing. So he does, he's, an, he's a true entrepreneur. Um, he did research. They asked me, what do you like to do best? I said, well, you know, I really do Dead Baby at the Grave really well. Now, what <laughs> Deep I, pain. people say, what is Dead Baby at the Grave? And I go... You know, in pretend, let's say your child on the soap opera, everybody loves it when their child gets killed or something on television because when your child gets killed, you get to do dead baby at the grave, which means you cry <laughs> and you, you're hysterical and you take tranquilizers, you try to kill yourself. I mean, you do all kinds of things that are very dramatic and usually you win an Emmy when you get a part like that. Okay. So, um, so I said, well, I'd love to do dead baby at the grave and blah, blah, blah. And then they said, well... Um, this is what's happening in the character we're thinking of writing. Now, would you rather be a heroine uh, or do you want to go for revenge? I said, oh, definitely revenge, darling. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so about three or four, about a week before I went to Washington, D.C. to film the the scenes they wrote for me, they arrived. And I read them and I sent them to you. Yes. And the first thing I said was, George, he was in the other room when I ran in the other room. I said, George, um... This is a brilliant script. Oh, my God, this is a brilliant script. This man is a great writer. I said, what a shame. I mean, this is a script that an actor could be nominated for an Emmy for. That's how good this script is. So that's what I said. Isn't that something? From from my lips to God's ears. So so, um, when I I got to Washington and I got on the set... Anthony said, uh, you're going to win an Emmy with this. I said, no, I'm not. I, I, I've only just started on your show. He said, they have a category called guest, guest star. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, we're going to submit you for an Emmy. And uh, the rest is history. I, I've been nominated. I mean, what an honor. You know, people said, well, why would you want to do a little series in Washington, D.C., blah, blah, blah. Well, I am presenting <clears throat> tomorrow night at the ISA. I mean, to, at, at tomorrow night at the um, Independent Series Awards, and I'll try and I'll tell you what I'm going to say. Anthony wrote it, so you all can get a little background about what this show is like. Um, nine years ago, you were introduced to the residents of an historic neighborhood in Washington D.C. We watched as our lives unfolded. Sometimes with uh, blatant and unflailing honesty. I'm getting it a little wrong. Uh, From addiction to domestic abuse to molestation to male rape, this raw and unapologetic 
writing has transcended, storytelling has transcended all demographics, leaving the viewers wanting more. So five, five, uh, uh, five, um, you know, 50, 50 episodes, five seasons, and nominated tonight for 10 Indie Series Awards. This is Anna Costia. I'm still grasping because they don't have teleprompters, so I'm having to learn it. But this will give you the audience an idea of what this show is about. Anthony was raped by someone who was uh, who had AIDS, and uh, on his show, and uh, it, it, it's major. It's a major, major writing. The show, anyway. Um, and, and let's say also, it's one of the. Only predominantly African American series. Cast. It is the only. Yeah, I think I mean, it is. Years ago, there was this a soap called Generations on NBC. But that was a network show. That was a yeah. network show. Um, I actually had like one line on it, but that was groundbreaking at the time because it was all African. Predominantly, all the major characters were African American. My late husband wrote the first, the second all black musical on Broadway. All African American. I never know what to say, which is the most appropriate thing to say. Um, uh, yeah, he wrote Timbuktu in The Wiz. They both came out the same year. Melba Moore and Eartha Kitt were in my husband's production. And uh, it really introduced the African American audiences. It was the history of the African Americans. In other words, when they were taken as slaves many hundreds of years ago, they were royalty. They were kings and queens. I mean, they 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 were royalty. Right. And so, after the show ran for almost a year on Broadway and it toured, my late husband went to a little mail place, mailbox place, to mail something about Timbuktu. And there was an African American man there, and and he said, um, he looked at the envelope and he said Timbuktu. He said there was a musical on Broadway called Timbuktu, and my late husband said Luther Davis. He said. Um, uh, yes, I wrote it. He said, you wrote it? He said, that show changed my life. Wow. He said, I never knew we came from royalty. I never knew that. Wow. That we were aristocratic. You know, I mean, he said that gave me, I don't know, it gave him such self-esteem. And so Luther felt so good about it because basically that's what he wanted to do. Right. You know, so... And also, let's say Luther wrote Grand Hotel... He wrote Grand Kismet. Hotel, he wrote Kismet, and he wrote lots of lots major, of, Lady in a Cage, lots of major motion pictures, and um, and lots of television series, lots. He wrote the pilot for The Fugitive. Uh, he wrote a lot. He had lot some of stuff. great stories. Oh, very funny, which we cannot tell on <laughs> your program. <laughs> For all you animal lovers, oh. Joan Crawford. <laughs> I'm not telling She you. had a magic touch, didn't yes. she, darling? She sure did. <laughs> but we di- I told you we were going to... See, we went from yeah. Anacostia to Joan Crawford to masturbating to- a dog. That's well, right. Uh, allegedly. Isn't that interesting? No, he saw her doing it. She actually did <laughs> okay. masturbate the dog. Okay. Okay. Save that for the book. Okay, now we'll be sued. <laughs> well, by by <laughs> Olivia. Um <laughs> Who Luther dated. But anyway, so back to Anacostia. Okay. So um, anyway, so I went, and yes. and uh, and it's wonderful to be directed by the man who wrote it, because he Who's said... Who's lived it. And he said, because, oh, it, you, you should be really screaming there. And of course, I didn't realize I should have, but it was written in bigger print. I should have caught on. Thank you very much. Uh, 
And it was great to have him there because, you know, it just, he kind of orchestrated what we were doing and and I just loved the work. I loved the writing. I loved the people. We had a great time. I, I called you when yes. I was there. And, and I we, said, ha- we have to say that um, two other soap veterans, Martha Byrne and Elizabeth Hubbard, are going to be are already on the already show. Already on it, and we're going to be we're doing your, a story your storyline with Beverly in particular is going to interact with with uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth and both of them actually, but yeah. Elizabeth, yeah, big time, yeah, big time. Elizabeth was on As the World Turns for many. Well, they both were. On and Martha Byrne won a, 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 an Emmy two years ago, and she started pretty much as a teenager for a Anacostia ch- child on As the World Turns. That's and, right. And um, Elizabeth was on there, like kind of like you and Mary and Colby. All of you were doing the soaps at the same time oh, right. in oh, yeah. New York City. So. Oh, yeah. But so anyway, so because of uh, Jennifer's great scene in Anacostia, she was not only nominated for the ISA, but like we mentioned, she's now nominated for uh, Guest Actress in a dr- Drama Digital Series for the Daytime Emmys, which are April 29th? April 27th. 27th. So you'll be coming back at the end of the month. Yes. For you that. know how much I love flying I and packing. Know, <laughs> but Jennifer was nominated for All My Children for the iconic yep. role of Mary and Colby, of course. I'm, who- I'm award challenged. I, uh, I got a nomination uh, for uh, the Soap Opera Digest Awards. And um, Dick Clark was presenting them. Uh, network and um, I had this Marlena Dietrich beaded dress all the way to the ground that I had gotten from June Carter Cash. June Carter. June Carter had a whole barn full of clothes and she said, you just go and get what you want, hon. I've and, never heard this story. Oh, she's so great. So I got this great dress. This dress was so, it was just great, you know, okay. And a friend of mine won right before my category, which was best scene stealer. Okay. Okay. So I jumped up and my zipper totally opened uh-uh. up from the bottom to the top. My whole dress was open. Marion Colby's Open. Style. Okay. And I'm going, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Zipping. I turned to the producer. I said, Jesus Christ, zip me up. Zip me up. I can't. What do you mean you can't? Just zip it up. It won't go. It won't go. And so I had an actor. I said, if I win, will you carry me up? And then we'll do a gag about Marion, you know. Well, the guy came, and I said, I hope I lose. I hope I lose. Oh, God. I can't go up there with my dress open up. And they said, and the winner is Jennifer Bassey. I went, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> so this guy said, I'll carry you. I said, don't carry me. My dress is open. He said, oh, shit. So, so I walked up, and, and these guys said, congratulations. I said, congratulations. I got so excited. I jumped up, and my dress opened up, and I turned around and showed the whole audience, got the biggest laugh. He said, Dick Clark said it was one of the funniest things he had ever seen. Okay. And it's very Mary and Colby-like. Okay. okay, so that happened. Okay, then I'm nominated for an Emmy. Okay. And Kelly Ripa and I are nominated for an Emmy at the same time. And we're both going, da 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 What are you going to wear? What are you going to wear? So I hired her costume designer. I said, I want a flesh-colored dress with diamonds all over it. And my dress arrived from India. Why he ordered it from India, I'll never know. And it came, and it was burgundy. And I wouldn't be cremated in burgundy. I just would not yeah. be cremated. I mean, it's, it is the worst effing color you have ever seen in your entire life. Eggplant. With ugly beads on it. And I said, I can't wear this. He said, what do you mean? And I said, well, would you wear it? Look at it. It's ugly. So uh, 
He said, I'll get you another dress. Meanwhile, I sprained my ankle. So on the red carpet, I had to wear gym shoes. And then I was pinned into a dress. So I had to kind of back into rooms. So you couldn't see that I was pinned in. And that was my Emmy dress. So I am, I have been, I hopefully, I am no longer a war challenge, but Mercury is in retrograde. So I'm a little nervous about tomorrow. And it's eating our brain up. I don't know if any of you follow Mercury in retrograde. The worst. For many years, I used to laugh at people who even brought it up because I thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> and then once I started paying attention to it, I don't know if I started creating the events, but it just seems like things were breaking down and things I was falling and, and deals were falling through. And, and it's horrible. horrible. It's horrible. This last few weeks have been hellacious. And it's going through April 15th. Tax day. I'm trying very hard not to jump off a building. <laughs> right. Because the legs are the last to go. The legs you are the last You need your legs to, to jump. The legs are the yes. last to go, and then, then you jump you're... off a tall building. But let's, I want to also talk about your more recent role on General Hospital, where uh, you played Quinn. Quinn Danvers makes me laugh, like Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca. But if you're not very old, you won't know what I'm talking uh, about. Or Google it for yeah, you young Google people it, Rebecca, listening. Mrs. But this Danvers. was another example where, because of Jennifer's uh, resume, May and her history and her amazing work. Mark Teschner, the casting director of um, General Hospital, who ironically had cast Jennifer in a feature a couple of years ago mm-hmm. as well, um, pretty much thought of you for this part. I mean, we, you know, we all, it was in the breakdowns and you were submitted and he knew your work and loved you. So, this was a chance for you to come on to a hit show, another ABC show. Well, I'm I'm in the hospital. Okay, I wake up one morning. <laughs> no. I wake up one morning and I'm in in pain. And I get to the hospital and they go, "Oh, your small intestines and and everything is is scar the tissue uterus, and, and and you're going to die if we don't do something." Uh, and so he, you have two options. We'll either stick a tube up your nose down into your stomach and draw it all out, or we'll operate. And I said, well, how big of a tube? Well, they brought in a tube. It was like huge, this humongous tube. I said, oh, no, that doesn't look like I'm going to. Anyway, so they stick it up my nose. I apparently, I'm dying. I'm really, I'm screaming and blah, blah, blah. Okay, now why am I bringing this up? Because That's at my... the same time. Okay, so I get the... a phone call. I get a phone call. And, and they're going to operate because the tube didn't work. Thank you very much to the medical profession. Right. And um, so they're just going to operate. And I get a phone call saying the head writer of uh, has recommended you to the producer and um, they want to just have you, no audition or anything, just book you Offer. in to do it. And so in two weeks, and I went, oh, uh-huh. my God. I said, oh, great. So I said, can I call you back? And the doctor came in. I said, okay, how soon can I fly? Well, what do you mean? I said, I just got a job offer that I really, really want to do, and I've always wanted to be on this show. He's General Hospital. He said, oh, General Hospital. I love General Hospital. The doctor watched it. Do you love it? And so I said, well, can I fly? He said, well, you're going to be weak, but but you can fly. So um, I called and said, oh, yes, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm not telling them they're going to operate on me that day, which they did. And um, I came, and Jasper let me stay in his wonderful apartment in Silver Lake, which is near the studios for General Hospital. And uh, and I was very frail, but nobody knew. No, you nobody came knew. literally how many days after? You had only been out of the hospital a few days, six, yeah, yeah. five days maybe? 
at the most? Maybe a little more than that. And then but... you flew cross country. You had all those pages of dialogue. And but... I wore high heels. Yeah, do I... <laughs> <laughs> but what I loved about Quinn was she was, while she was upscale and glamorous, she was... Um, she was witty. I thought you brought a lot of humor to her. She was well. They, she was and they funny. wrote her. They yeah. wrote her. They they gave me very good writing. I mean, you know, for a guest person to come on, first of all, um, Ryan and Risa were adorable. I mean, they couldn't have been sweeter and 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 you know more welcoming. So I was very relaxed with them, and it was fun. We we yeah. laughed a lot. Had a good time. It was part of the Mel Landers. Uh, advice column ask story. Man, uh, ask, ask man, like like Landers. Ann Landers. Ask, ask man, man Landers. Landers. That's right. Ask man Landers. Amy yeah. and Nathan. 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 The two characters. Yeah, and and so and, you had a wonderful arc on there, and and, it, and I got to see Finola Hughes, who, yes. who I've worked known forever, and and I got to see Rebecca Budig, and I got to meet Michelle Stafford, who wonderful. I love, and I got to see Mark Teschner and give him major hugs. You got and, to work with Frank Valentine. Frank Valentini, yes, who I, you know, which was great, absolutely great. Now, so the whole thing really, it couldn't it have turned been out better. great. And yeah. then right from there, you got Beverly Newman. So you've had a last year and this year is turning out to be spectacular. Yeah, and I'm you getting been, married very soon. Getting married, and I then mean, also, probably in the next two weeks. Yeah, you've yeah. been engaged for about a year and a half We've two been, years well I've only had the ring little darling this beautiful ring thank god we know a diamond dealer um, uh, we've been engaged since probably you're in Hawaii right? in March it'll be two years right yeah that's amazing well yeah. George is wonderful he's also my client and he's younger than I am isn't and, it wonderful well, darling Mary and Colby like cradle robbing at my age but George is an accomplished actor and playwright on his own and in fact he yes. has a new play that he's written and he's got Broadway producers who've won four Tony Awards who uh, they want to do a bunch of readings they want to do a very small reading with a couple of people who uh, really know about the theater and and do notes you know, and then do rewrites and then do another small reading. And then the fourth reading will be for backers and because and there, it's a great role for a woman. Yes. And, uh, you know, like Jessica Lang, Meryl Streep, Glenn Close. Of a certain age. Helen Mirren. Yeah. Uh, those women could nail the hell out of it, you yeah. know. And it, it, all the roles are All good. the roles. There are four roles. The you four. read it. You read yeah. it. It's a good play. It's so a great George, play. and his name is George Bamford. Bamford. And he's a, an actor and a writer, and he's he's terrific. He's great. He's yeah. sitting right. And out he's at, very good looking. He's they're a gorgeous <laughs> couple together. Yes. Um, also, Jennifer's going to be on the cover of what well, is on the cover of, of Recovery a new, magazine. Recovery Today magazine. Recovery magazine. A wonderful magazine because Jennifer, we have a great press agent. He's my press agent. Your press agent, Dominic Friesen, who he, actually is recovering from open, open heart, heart surgery, surgery at thirty nine years old, I and mean, actually has been in the hospital for three weeks non-stop working on the phone in yeah, the hospital uh, incredible, bed incredible. i think the key is to trap someone in a hospital with no television and no telephone and then they get that's right and you get great work <laughs> they just never stop what else can you do right so it's recovery like, magazine is about recovery from addiction and uh i've been sober for almost 34 years in may it'll be wow. 34 years and so it was great to talk about you know to tell people the disease has a beginning, middle, and end. It doesn't, has, doesn't just have an end. Most people think, well, if they're handling their particular problem, whether you're a drug addict or you're an alcoholic or whatever you are, uh, 
I'm functioning and I'm working, so I don't have a problem. And they don't understand. You know, when I got sober, I was functioning and working. Uh, major time, major right. working. Uh, it's nothing to do, but it's a it's a clever disease, and it has an IQ of about eight hundred and fifty, and it's smarter than you are, and it wants you dead. Basically, that's what it is. So we did a long interview about uh, sobriety and how to stay sober one day at a time, and um, it was a great interview. I yeah. haven't seen it yet. It's on the newsstands, but it's also online. So is it on the newsstands? Yeah. Can I, I, want, I don't have a copy yet. I'm dying to see it. I think they sent us some, or I Dominic so. has some. But I think you can just Google Recovery Today magazine, and the online interview and photos will come up We'll be on there. Okay, as well. great. Yeah. So, um, But I wanted you to talk a little bit about... You started, a lot of people don't realize that you started out studying at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in London. You went from Chicago. Tell everyone about your... I went from the Playboy Club. I I flew, uh, well, we were all drinking, talk about drinking, Uh, and I was too drunk to pack. Somebody said that should be the name of your biography, (laughs) Too Too Drunk drunk to pack. Pack. So I asked Bunny Claudia who was a friend of mine who was drunker than I was. I said, Claudia, will you pack for me? Because I'm, I'm going to be uh, auditioning for the Royal Academy, and if I get in, I'm going to stay there. And I said, but don't pack feather boas and evening gowns. Just pack sweaters and pants. You know, I'm going to be a student if I get in. So I arrive in England with feather boas, negligees, <laughs> and one sweater, one pair of pants. I mean, I had, I had no clothes. Um, I got the lowest... Entrance marks in the history of the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in 19... <laughs> right, and, uh, 74. I'm not, uh, 19, yeah, 72, don't you love it? And, and so um, in 2004, I got a phone call, and it went like this. Hello, darling, it's Richard. I said, who? He said, Richard, from RADA, from the Royal Academy. It, it, it's the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts uh, celebrating the centennial... Um, in this year, and you still hold the record for the lowest entrance marks <laughs> in the history of the academy. We want you to fly over, darling, and 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 show them why. We want you to do exactly what you did when you auditioned. So I flew over, and Joan Collins was there, and John Hurt was there. Bless his heart, he's gone now. Tony Hopkins wasn't there; he was in my class. And um, and I went over and I did it, and people were screaming because I was so terrible. What did you do? Oh, well... Was it a monologue? Well, no, no, no. They send you... you uh, I wrote them a letter and said, Hi, I'd like to come to your school. They said, Oh, Miss Bassey, <laughs> um, we take three Americans a year. Um, if you want to fly over to England, we take 30 British people a term, and you'll get in with them. And I thought, well, I like the odds better in England. So um, I, I, they sent me a thing saying, You can pick one of these speeches, and then you bring one of your own. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay. So I picked, not unbeknownst to myself, a J.B. Priestley play, who was a very <laughs> famous playwright in England in the last century, and uh, a speech that everyone in England knew but me, because I didn't memorize it. And um, so I arrived at the Royal Academy from the Playboy Club, uh, which is another long story, and um, where I was a bunny for almost three years. And, um, and this girl said, why do you have your script? I said, well, I'm auditioning for the Royal Academy with a very thick Chicago accent. And they said, uh, well, we all are, but don't you know it? I said, you're supposed to know this? <laughs> she said, yes. I said, oh, shit. And they said, Miss Bassey, you're next. I thought, oh, huh. shit. So I walked in, and they said, this is Sir Michael Redgrave and Dame Edith Evans, and I'd never heard of them. I said, oh, hi. <laughs> you know, like I didn't know who they were. I mean, what did I know? So... um, 
so I, I, and this man came out of the wings with a long beard. He said, I'm your prompter. I said, what does that mean? He said, if you forget a line, just look at me. I said, oh, all right. So I took the most famous speech in England, and the only line I knew was, I found out after a year he had a mistress. I was supposed to say it with a British accent, which I didn't. And that's the only line I knew. So I said, I found out after a year he had a mistress. And then I looked at the guy with the beard and the wings, and he went, I said, ah, what? <laughs> and he said, blah, blah, blah. I said, ah, oh, I'm sorry. They said, Miss Bassey, you're nervous. I said, well, yeah, I'm really nervous. They said, you can start again. I said, thanks. I said, yeah. Well, I found out after a year he had a mistress. And I looked to the wings again. He went, ah, blah, blah, blah. I said, I'm sorry. I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> so I finally thought, I'll just make it up. I didn't know what paraphrasing meant. So I just made up the most famous speech in England. And there was a long pause, and they said, thank you so much, Miss Bassey. Uh, what's your second selection? I said, I am going to do the burning speech from Hedda Gobbler. And there was a pause, because there is no burning there speech. Is no. Uh, all Hedda Gobbler said, and it's supposed to be two minutes, right? Oh, Okay, here was my audition. I said, pretend this is a fireplace. And I turned my back to the whole group, my back. And I, that was the fireplace. So I did the audition with my back to them. And I said, I am burning your child, Taya. Burning, burning, burning. Ah! Oh, that was the burning scene. My God. But darling, there was a stunned silence. And they said, well, Miss Passy, thank you so much. I thought, oh, shit, I really messed this one up. So I went upstairs crying, and this young kid said, why are you crying? I said, I flew all the way from Chicago, and I didn't get in. He said, why? I said, I was terrible. And so he went down. I said, I know the secretary of the principal. I'll find out. And he ran down. He said, you got in. I said, what? I did. And, and so I got the lowest entrance marks, and what they said was, she's got stage presence, and she's got a good voice. <laughs> We'll probably kick her out in the first term. <laughs> and I graduated top of my class with Anthony Hopkins, so I Darling. was very proud of myself. No, in Chicago... You had no part of that story, I you? did not know this. <laughs> I'm trying to act like I'm p picking my mouth up. <laughs> when you decided, when you were a bunny, yeah. to... What, had you had aspirations of being an no, actress? Or what, no, I what? wanted to be a gym teacher. So what uh, happened? Okay, Bobby Short, a famous, famous singer. singer now. Today he's more famous, but in 1974... <laughs> no, actually it was 1960... Um, 59 to 61. But yeah, I, started, I flew over in England, 61. And, and Bobby... Uh, Dick Gregory, George Burns, Jack Carlin, um, they were all starting out. In fact, Dick Gregory was a car wash. And you knew them at the, they would oh, yeah, come they to were the playboy the club, club all the time. Yeah. And, and Mabel Mercer, who, you know, oh, Mabel Mercer, who, you know, uh, Frank Sinatra sat at her feet for her phrasing. I mean, everybody, you know, these were, I didn't know who any of them were, but I worshiped Bobby. And I always told everyone to shut up when he was singing, you know. And uh, Bobby said, you shouldn't be a singing bunny. You should, you should be an actress. And I thought, well, he thinks I should be an actress. And I was reading a book that I never got through the introduction, um, called The Quintessence of Ibsenism by George Bernard Shaw. I never got through the introduction because it was so complicated. I didn't understand what he was talking about. But in the first paragraph, he said, The Royal Academy of Dramatic Art is the most famous drama school in the world and the best. So I wrote them a letter. I said, Hi, I want to come to your school, and the rest is history. That's amazing. You know, 
sometimes you know how you how fate fate if Bobby Short, who I hadn't worshipped, hadn't said that to me, I probably would have died of alcoholism. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it, <laughs> but it shows you how we we just have to be open always to opportunity, and also we you had no idea being new and being green sometimes is not knowing the rules. A lot of times is is what gets us. Uh, a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you go in thinking you know all the rules, mm-hmm. you're not. You're not real. You're not yourself. No, no. and you're overly prepared. Well, darling, you were yeah. not prepared at all. But that's the, that's no, what got you in. Under prepared. <laughs> but amazing that they saw the spark in oh you. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding? Yeah. <coughs> and so when you uh, graduated from the academy, you came back to New York City, yep. right? Or you yep. moved to New York City. Yep. Um, you started doing theater. Right. You'd I moved st- to New York City, and I was living on the West Side, and I was, and my father had just sent me enough to cover my rent, which was like a hundred and some dollars a month. I wow. mean, you know, Can in you those imagine? days, you could get rent control apartments, and uh, and I was expecting my trunk to arrive. I don't think you know this story; it's hysterical. And uh, the bell goes ding dong, and I'm on I'm in a basement apartment. You know, I'm on the ground floor, and. Dumbbell, you know, I'd never lived in New York. I opened the door, and there was this huge man, about 6'4", with a box. And he said, delivery, and he came walking in to my apartment. And uh, he he opened the box and pulled out this fur coat, uh, ugly fur coat. And he said, you want to buy a fur coat, lady? (laughs) And I said, "Uh, no. He said, yeah, I think you do. I said, no, no, I, I, I only have enough money for my rent. He said, how much money do you have? I said, I have $173. You can have the coat for 173 I said, no, you don't understand. It looks too big for me. He said, try it on. <laughs> so the only mirror I had was on the kitchen wall. It was very high up, so I had to stand on a chair in front of this criminal and try on this ugly coat. It was muskrat. I mean, it was way too big. It wasn't ugly. It was new, but it looked terrible on me. It was too big. It was for a big, fat person. And uh, so I'm standing on a chair looking in a mirror saying, it doesn't really fit. He said, it looks good. <laughs> so he takes my money, and he leaves. Thank God he didn't rape, rape me or me. kill me. And I called the police. I said, listen, some man just came in here and sold me a, a, a mink coat. Oh, he said it was a mink. It was a muskrat. He, he said it's a mink coat. I said, I want my rent money back. And so these two policemen arrived. They said, lady, that's not a mink. That's a muskrat. I said, I don't care what it is. I said, I just want my $173 back. They said, well, we'll buy it from you. I said, well, if the police want to buy it, it must be a good coat. I thought, no, no, no. I think I'll keep it. They said, okay, lady, do what you want. They left. I made a couple of, I made some fur pillows out of it. And that was my introduction to New <laughs> to York. To the City, mob. To, to New York. To, oh, yeah. You yeah. have to, don't open your door. Don't open the door to strangers. <laughs> but you went on to do theater and Broadway. And <laughs> a lot of Broadway. Broadway. And then what was your very first soap opera role? Oh, my first soap opera role. I was Gene Stapleton's husband. Bill Pachetta Theater in oh, Pennsylvania. It's coming to me. Anyway, I was doing a play called Natalie Needs a Nighty. And, and you Sounds only got like sides. You only got sides. You know, you wouldn't even get the full script, you know. And it was a farce. Naturally, Natalie Needs a Nighty has got to be a farce. And I got a call to come back for a callback for a CBS soap called Love of Life, 1967. 
And I said, I'm not going to go. And also, I was sick. I'm always sick when I get callbacks and things. I don't know why that is. And so Gene Stapleton said, you're going to go. I'm going to get you up in the morning. I'm going to drive you to the airport. And, and so put curlers in your hair and blah, blah, blah. She was so dear. She was the sweetest woman on the planet. And so she drove me to the airport. And, I, and it was supposed to be an English woman, an English psychiatrist. And so when I arrived, I was really tired and I didn't feel well. And they said... We want all you actresses to know that she's not English anymore. <laughs> and I said, oh, I've got to leave because I can't do an American accent. All I your thought, RADA training. I can't do an American accent. I thought, I want out of here. I don't care anymore. They said, no, 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 please don't leave. I said, no, I, I can't do an American accent. And so I went in and I, they said, what do you think of the script? I said, it's extremely boring. And all the network people went, what? <laughs> I said, well, you want it to be a sexual scene and they're ordering a cup of tea. I said, you know, how sexual is that? Well, I, she's right. This is a terrible scene. You know, and that, I mean, I just didn't uh, care. I didn't care. So you got it. So I got the part. Yeah. So I was care. on for two years. And that was it live in those days, or was that? No, that one wasn't live. But when I did Edge of Night, it was live. And you have a great story about. Oh my God! Should I, should I sell that? Yeah. Should I tell that one? Yeah. Oh, this is my favorite favorite. Well, there are a lot of live faux pas that happened on daytime and these are all actually real but this is my favorite favorite one of all time an 18 year old boy <clears throat> was like on as the world turns or search for tomorrow one of them and he's supposed to go ding dong hello mrs star i have i have come to call on your daughter she said well sit down she's upstairs i'll go get her uh, instead of which he was fine at dress rehearsal but live he said, ding dong, hello, Mrs. Starr, I've called to come on your daughter. <laughs> she said, oh, well, sit down, she's upstairs, I'll go get her. You know, I mean, you you just had to say the next line. You had to roll with it. You know, and I mean, people said, did he, she, yeah, I called, come, come on her daughter. I mean, and there was, Anne Flood did one on Edge of Night, and it was live. It was live. And she was a perfect lady, and she was so embarrassed, so embarrassed that this happened. She and her husband were supposed to be going... You know, darling, sometimes it's really hard to wake up in the morning. And her next line was, yes, I've noticed. And then the argument, the edge of night, hmm, dun, 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 and the argument come in and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Instead of which, it went like this. Her husband said, you know, honey, sometimes it's really hard to get it up in the morning. <laughs> and she couldn't think of anything else to say but her line, which was, yes, I've noticed. <laughs> And the cameraman started shaking. The cameras laughing. literally were going up and out. It was live. It was live. Everybody was laughing. Dixie Carter and Donald May were doing a love scene <laughs> in, 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 on Edge of this Night. This is the one I was live. thinking of. And, and the, the stage manager, who was a bald, kind of cherubic, plump, sweet man, uh, tripped on a cable. <laughs> and he had a script in his hand and fell between <laughs> them on the sofa while they were having a love scene. And they played the love scene around this fat man. Like like he was supposed to be there in that love scene. Guess who came, came oh, yeah. for dinner? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, before the time runs out, I just wanted to get us right up to all my children and tell everyone how the part of Mary and Colby came because that was that was supposed to be just a three months, three months, three months. And oh, well, I got I got hit in the face. I got tomatoes thrown at me. People hated me. <clears throat> they were doing comedy. Everybody was doing comedy, and and I said, you know, I've got to be funny. You know, I'm not going to last unless I am a funny villain. I had done the homecoming on Broadway, and I'd met Harold Pinter. And he talks in sexual pauses. 
Like you go up to Harold Pinter and you go, Mr. Pinter, I love your suit. What kind of suit is that? And he goes, thank you very much. It's a Saint Laurent. And I go, Jesus, he talks in sexual pauses. So I thought, I'm going to do this with Marion Colby. I am going to talk in sexual pauses. If I'm with a man 70 years or younger, I'm going to pause in a significant point in the dialogue to make it funny. So like, if my line was, would you like a bite of my hamburger? I go, would you like a bite of my hamburger? (laughs) And the writers got it, and they started writing it. And suddenly I was like this Mae West-type alcoholic nymphomaniac. Sleeping and with I, her I think the most, But the worst thing I ever did is Marion Colby. I think this is the, one of the worst. My husband, in my first two years on the show, died. And I made a pass at a doctor over his coffin. Now, that is pretty gross, honey. Well, That's pretty gross. <laughs> that and sleeping with your daughter's husband. Well, no, no. Oh, or, yeah, well, I slept with all her husbands. Yeah. But, but you see, her boyfriend, Tad, he was my boyfriend first. And everyone said, how can you sleep with their daughter's boyfriend? I said, I slept with him first. So get off you your were high the, hat, honey. Marion was the original cougar. The original cougar in 1982. 1982, you were whatever, and Michael E. Knight was... was 19. He was really 21, but he was playing 19. Right. Yeah. He was legal, barely. Yeah, yeah, but we had... Oh, my God, we laughed. We had such a good time. But the three-month role turned into an almost 30-year off and on. Over 30-year, on and off, on and off. They brought me back. You'd be out in L.A. working, and you'd get a call saying, we'd like to bring your character back for a year or two. Do you want to come back? And I'd say, sure. And it was like slipping into old clothes. You know, when you're at home and you put on your old bathrobe that you like, that no one sees, but you love it. You know, that's what it's like. And and, and you know who you are right away. I mean, there's nothing. Very few actors get to play a role for 30 years. Well, also, you were one of the few daytime actresses at the time that really transitioned and did nighttime. You did sitcoms, you did one-hour shows. When I came out here, uh, nobody would see me because I was a daytime actress. There was a stigma. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the first job I got was L.A. Law, and I just read Stephen Boschko's obituary. I was so sad. He was so young and so brilliant. I felt so horrible when I read read that. I didn't read it the day before. It was two days ago. Anyway, he wrote L.A. Law, and my... My first job was L.A. Law, and it was a wonderful part, and they had to cut it out. And and, and my agent, Billy, said, uh, Jennifer, I've got very bad news. They love you, and they're going to use you again, <clears throat> but they have to cut it all out. It just made Joe Eikenberry's character look unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, my God, Billy, it's my only footage he said they'll never give us the footage if it's never aired, and we be- he begged them, and you know what? They gave us the footage, Which so is we, we had the unheard footage, of. and that got me. Other. The doors open. They said you're in L.A. Oh, great footage, you know, and and that got me started here. Yeah. Otherwise, you couldn't get anybody to look at you. No, and it's interesting how now all the film actors have come to television, and there's no stigma with daytime, nighttime. Oh or any no, of that. most of our big stars have come out of daytime. Exactly. The problem is, <clears throat> we have four soap operas in Los Angeles, and we have none in New York. Right. And this was a training ground. This this teaches you how to relax in front of a camera. Yeah. Now, there's no training ground for actors anymore. No. Young actors to learn how to do movies. Well, no, because everybody's trying to be a YouTube star and an internet star. and 
But and they're not going to get not camera get technique camera or technique. learn about lighting and cameras and what to do and what not to do. Exactly. Well, tell everybody where they can follow you on social media. You're on all the Instagram, Twitter. I think I'm, I'm Jennifer Bassey one, 1 on Twitter. Right. Instagram. And I I'm on Instagram, but I don't at know. At Jennifer Bassey. Is that? I don't know what it is. I think it's at Jennifer underscore Bassey. Just this I don't know because my media woman she does it I mean I tell her I approve when we do it, but right. I don't know what it is. But Google Jennifer Bassey, you'll see all of her And uh, she's put together a great handles. website. And We're her not website. finished with it. We're not even start we just barely did anything it's yet. It's Jenniferbassey.com or dot Jenniferbassey.com, yeah. Yeah. And that's up to date with all what's happening yeah. with Jennifer. We didn't get to talk about her one woman show that she's working on that right. will be, uh, Jennifer will come back. She'll do more. Oh well, if I don't shows I. and um, <laughs> I better. you know I love you. I feel like your family. I love you more, and you are family. And um, <laughs> I'm going to be with you tomorrow night yep. at the awards, and yep. we'll all be cheering you on Thank at you. the end of April for the Emmys. I'm going to say that you've stuck through me through thin and thin. <laughs> And the legs are the last to go. And that's then you Jennifer's, jump up a tall effing building. Right. That's Miss Bassey's <laughs> favorite last words. Well, listen, everyone. Thank you so much for joining One on One with Jasper Cole. Remember, uh, Thursday, April 5th, we debut on the BS Podcast Networks. So this episode, I believe, will air on the 19th. We'll be on every other Thursday. And check us out on iTunes. So everyone, have a wonderful rest of the day. Peace out. We love you. Take care. Thanks for checking out one-on-one with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back-to-school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back-to-school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 